Welcome to Cinebabble episode 23, coming at you a little bit late this time around because, hey, coronavirus and, you know, society falling apart and <laughs> things just not going so well. This is the ever-healthy, not-coronid uh, Ken Brown, and this is my co-host across from me, Clint. Hi. I might have it. Who knows? <laughs> I don't we, know. We haven't been tested. No. We've been passing it back and forth. It's mm-hmm. been slowly mutating. It's coming for you. It's becoming something else. Yeah. It's becoming stronger. Oh, yeah. It's full contagion. Mm-hmm. This it likes movies a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Clint, how are you doing? I'm I'm missing the movie theater. I'm genuinely missing going to see a movie. Yeah. I, I kind of had that thought earlier this week. Um, and it was really sad to think that it's probably going to be a long time before we actually yeah. – we actually go genuinely and i when we were driving by kind of the local theater that we prefer going to i i started thinking is this place going to exist right once things opens back open back up because it's not amc it's not regal it's not one of the big chains they're having a hard enough time Mm -hmm. um and i just i i don't know if movies look the same for a long time yeah i just it made me real sad i know we'll probably all be sitting like three seats apart every other row yeah it's gonna be it's going to be wild. Yeah. It's going to be wild, kid. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but in the meantime, what you watching about, Clint? What you watching about? Ken, I um, still am off work, <laughs> and I am trying to fill the time best I can. And sometimes that just ends up me sitting on the couch <laughs> because the will to live is its just not going so well, Ken. I'm sorry. No. No, it's actually fine. But movies are an easy escape. Um, so I um, watched a new show on Amazon that just came out. Me and Jenny went through it and just blew through it um, called Tales from the Loop. Oh, you told me about or you yeah. recommended this to me. You didn't tell me much about it. No, I think it's best to go in kind of a little okay. bit blind to it. But uh, it's based on some paintings that this uh, Swedish artist, Simon Stallenhag, hmm. did. It, he does these beautiful, like, they're kind of graphic novels, but they're just beautiful paintings that he does. And they're, um, it's like, based around, like, robots, and it's, the kind of the near future. And, like, he has, like, the other side of the page is, like, the, the story that goes along with okay. it. So it's based on his work. Um, but it's just a beautiful show. It's, like, kind of the more poetic version of Black Mirror. Okay. Um, where each episode is different. It kind of centers around this family. Um, and it has uh, Rebecca Hall, Jonathan Price, Paul Schneider, um, from um, Parks and Rec. You remember who I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Um, but it's centered around this family, and it, but it, each story is different, and it's about, like, people around the family, and each story just goes in different directions, and there's just, like, amazing... It's just these really amazing, just quiet stories, but mm-hmm. set in this science fiction world. Okay. And there's this um, company or this facility that's in the town called The Loop, and it's just this big scientific, like... Um, it's kind of like the ha- Hydron Collider, was it? The, mm-hmm, the Hydron Collider. The, or Haldron. Sure. Yeah. You know, whether it's, it's a Y or an AL, <laughs> it's, you know, it's somewhere in there between H and Dron. I think you would just know better than me, so I was trying to no. correct myself. No. But it's kind of centered in this town, and it's kind of the coal mine of the town, and everybody works there. And, um, and there's just weird things happening in the town kind of emanating from this facility okay um but it's it, it's not really about the science fiction it's more about these human stories and kind of almost these scientific fairy tales that happen gotcha. but it's it's really beautiful and really well done and um philip glass did the music for it 
And like I, I, they were saying how he doesn't do any soundtrack stuff. He's never done anything. Really? Yeah. Like it's hard. He doesn't want to do it, and he they got him to do it for this. Huh. And uh, it's really a beautiful score for the whole thing. Okay. It's just it's really well done. I I really loved it. Um, okay. I'm planning to go through it again. So I um, also I've been watching um, or we I watched this other Amazon. It was a kind of a one of their movies that they. I don't know, they financed her, you know, an Amazon mm-hmm. original um, called Blow the Man Down. Oh, okay. I saw um, that too. I haven't watched it, but I, I saw it on there. Yeah, totally. I really liked it. It's uh, set in this small town in Maine. Um, sisters Mary Beth and Priscilla Connolly attempt to cover up the gruesome run-in with a dangerous man. To conceal their crime, the sisters must go deep into the criminal underbelly of their hometown, uncovering the dark secrets of the town's matriarchy. It feels like Fargo, but set in Maine. Okay. It's shot really well. I, I, I would think it, it looks like it maybe was done like on 16 millimeter mm-hmm. or something. And it has this really nice, the score to it, it's like a sheet, sea shanties. Um, and uh, yeah, I if you like Fargo, you would like this movie. It's just, <laughs> but it's kind of a little bit more independent and, but it's really well done. I, I really liked it. Um, but yeah, that's a, basically it. Okay. Yeah. What have you been well, watching? <laughs> funny story. Um, <laughs> While while you are unable to work, I have been uh, given double the workload <laughs> without double the pay, <laughs> and so uh, my my jobs had to take on kind of an entire video production unit. So I've had to quick learn to edit and shoot <laughs> videos and direct and uh-huh. also host things, and that's been a blast. But side effect, I definitely haven't been watching anything more than than what we've been. Uh, yeah, just been watching what you're making to cover. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so it's it's pretty light on what you're watching for me. Yeah. But have I ever told you about my uh, hadron? Is it hadron? 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 It's H A D R O N. The large hadron. Hadron. Uh, we'll probably say it correctly as soon as we're done this. Hadron. Hadron. <laughs> right in with your corrections. <laughs> uh, my theory on the large uh, hadron. Hedrone. I'm just going to start saying random things for it. Okay. Hedrone. If you say collider at the end of it, I'll just Collider. <laughs> the Hedrone Collider. The Hedron. Every time I say it, it doesn't sound right. Anyway, have I told you about my theory about this thing? I think. Do you remember back when people were freaking out and that they were going to hit these particles together and a black hole was going to rip through mm-hmm. time and space? Yeah. Totally think that happened. <laughs> I think we're living in a weird alternate dark reality full of entropy that's dragging us closer and closer to the abyss. Mm-hmm. And all of the weirdness and everything is just, uh, you know, we have kind of catapulted ourselves into some weird alternate reality. You don't think it's just the seeds that we've sown for the last, like, 50 years or anything like that? That's far more poetic, <laughs> but mine, mine I would watch the TV series for. Yeah. Yours, I would not watch that TV series. Well, we're watching it every day. <laughs> it's playing true. out before That's our true. eyes. It doesn't feel very fictional. No. No. I'd it, watch yours over that. It kind of hurts a little yeah. bit. Just uh, watch... Uh, in the loop, or no, uh, Tales from the Loop. Yeah, and that's that's basically in reality. That's what I've been watching about. It's just watching reality crack open mm. and slithery serpent-headed abyss monsters crawl out. <laughs> Strange times. That's a good way to spend the evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we tackled three movies this week, and one of our first movies is actually a little bit of an experiment because one of the interesting things about Uh, movie theaters being closed is that some of the studios have started to drift towards releasing their theatrical releases early um, digitally Mm -hmm. and you can order them at a higher price point it's 20 bucks 
and we picked up the hunt and just wanted to see, one, how the experience was. Did did not seeing something in the theater change things for you? Was it... Not for this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was not a movie that I needed to see in the theater. No. Um, I... But it was different dropping 20 bucks, 19.99 on a movie yeah. that, uh, you know, I, I, I had a bad feeling about already. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, well, when I go to the movies, I drop 12 bucks on a ticket and you know another eight and popcorn and drink anyway. Twenty, it's it's twenty bucks. It makes total sense. Um, but I didn't have that same feeling. Um, like maybe you, it's just because it wasn't an amazing movie. But I didn't have that feeling of money well spent. Oh right. I don't know if I would do that with any movie really. Really? Yeah. I I would. I have a hard <laughs> like I. I'll do that to buy a movie if I'm going to own it. But just to rent it, it, I know it's almost the same as going to the theater, but it just feels different to me as far as where my money is going. Well, you're not getting a high-dollar experience. Well, right. I'm getting an experience of going to the theater, and like i got to put my shoes on to go do that. It feels like (laughs) there's some effort behind it. Is that the rule? If you put your shoes on, you got to pay? No, it just feels like there's (laughs) shoes going on. Where I'm going somewhere where sh- money might be required, so it just kind of like goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. I, I I felt weirdly ambivalent about the whole thing, other than <laughs> I wasted money. Yeah. But then I wondered, is it just because I didn't react well to the movie? Was this not the best movie to try that with? If we had done it for say The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the last movies we saw in the theater, would that have have changed that feeling of, of value in you know dropping some money for that? I don't know. I, I, uh, I think I wouldn't have minded as much. I still think I would have had a hard time I, spending the money on it. So what's what's your magic price point? If they were releasing theatrical content at a certain price, at what point is it? Is Seven dollars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I that's, don't think that's going to happen. Because that's my high price on just the regular rentals yeah. on there. Like I, I have – that's like uh, – do how much do I really want to see this? And I understand the position they're in. The, the position a studio is in from a, a money-making venture is you can have – well, not right now. But you can have 10 people <laughs> packed in your basement. Yeah. So they're only paying two bucks a ticket essentially. Yeah. yeah I, I get why right. that's been such a difficult – uh, system to kind of get in place or to try. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting watching that sort of creep out, and I'm, I'm curious where that goes. Mm-hmm. But without movie productions in mass, I, I don't even know what the end of this year is going to look like when it comes to movies. Right. Can you imagine? You, I mean, like, Oscars what's going to come next out? year? Yeah. I yeah, think uh, everything's getting delayed. Everything, right. like, all productions are shut down right now. If productions continue to shut down because movie sets are full of hundreds of people, do movies just not get made for a while? Is it a lot of independent features? Is it a lot of just small crew? I think it's a lot of things that have been sitting on the shelf for a little while. Maybe. Yeah. Because that's what we're getting right now are things that were already in like post-production or whatever, and they're just yeah. wrapping up. They didn't, I don't know. Well, you already hate the Academy Awards. Can you imagine if all <laughs> they had to go off of was January, February, and March? Like, not this the picture Sonic months. the Hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> The Hunt. <laughs> anyway, uh, The Hunt. The Hunt is this, uh, I want to say little film, but they really try to make this movie about as big as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's from director Craig Zobel, and it's about 12 strangers who wake up in this clearing. They don't know where they are, how they got there, 
And there's, you know, of course, a dark internet conspiracy theory that these ruthless elites are gathering in a remote location to hunt humans. Turns out, sure enough, yep, these rich elitists are gathering to hunt poor country hicks. Uh, Clint, what did you feel and think about the hunt? I want to ask you a question first. <laughs> Does okay. it count as satire if you're just mentioning things that have happened in no. the real world? Okay. No. So I don't consider this satire. It, it fits the definition of satire, yeah. but I think satire is, is a higher art form right. than what this is. I think this this dabbles in a lot of... Uh, like trappings yeah. of satire, but it doesn't actually do anything beyond no, satire. Right. Like you couldn't go and watch comedy and there's no sort of punchline or delivery mm-hmm. and say, oh, it's still comedy because right. they're setting up jokes. Right. Well, it's just setting a, up the mm-hmm. joke is the first part of it. Yeah. Setting up the satire with the elements, first part, but you got to pay that off. Right. You got to have something that then makes me think. Right. I was thinking, like, the first thing that popped in mind, I'm sure there's other better examples, was like Dr. Strangelove, mm-hmm. where you're kind of holding a mirror up to things in the real world, and it's reflecting back in a warped way. And it's in this, I feel like it wasn't a mirror, really. It was just like a window or something. I don't know. I, I don't know the best. It was interesting but, because it almost felt like they were they were going for satire, certainly. But they were yeah. they were using parody, mm-hmm. and that it was the strangest disconnect. They were they were following the rules of a parody movie. Let's just take what's what's already there and intensify it and right. make it ludicrous. But they were trying to be satirical, and those two things, yeah, it's a fine line, but they they don't match up. Because I feel like all the instances of satire in it are just them mentioning something in the real world that's been said or done. And not like you said, you're setting up the joke, but they never give you the punchline. And the leftist elites are just characters of leftist elites. And the right wing extremists are just characters of right wing extremists. Mm -hmm. There's no I kept waiting the whole time for the twist in it, Mm -hmm. not necessarily a plot twist, but where it it reveals what it's actually got going on under the hood or what what it's really thinking. And no, no, it's just leftist elites versus right extremists, mm-hmm. these two extreme groups coming into conflict. And I, I did not care about either no. at all, <laughs> at all. I only thing I kind of gar- grabbed onto was uh, Betty Clippin, Gilpin's character, Crystal, mm-hmm. because she's just really good. And I yeah. like her on Glow a lot. Yeah. Uh, she's real. I don't know. She. She so, feels like a character from a completely different movie. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I don't know, I was so disappointed where, like, it took 20 minutes before she was even really, yeah. like, solidly introduced to the film. Because, like, I understood what they were doing, the joke of, like, all of these people that you're going to care about, mm-hmm. all they get killed off in the first five minutes. Yeah. But it wasn't very interesting <laughs> how they did it or anything. And maybe there's a movie out there like this already, but I... I almost enjoyed that first 10 minutes of, here's your main character, nope, they're dead. Here's your main character for real, oh no, they're dead. And I wonder if there's there's a movie where they've done that from almost start to finish. I know you couldn't get clear to the end doing that, but where every character is treated as if they were a main character. That mm. you, all of the, the filmmaking techniques point to, here's who you're rooting for. Right. And then they die, and it just hops to the next person that's next to them. Um I kind but of I enjoyed like that. I, I don't know if that would have sustained for two hours. 
I feel like I've seen that joke done so many times, though. I've seen it done as a joke. I just, I really thought with this, oh, this is what they're going to do the whole movie. And then they just kind of abandoned it. There uh, was too much two. of um, Betty Gilpin's character in the trailer for me to think that they were going to yeah. do that. So I just yeah. didn't, I just, I didn't believe that for a second that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, and and I enjoyed her character as well. And I wish, I, I think I would have enjoyed it even more if from the beginning, slight spoiler, although it doesn't really build to some giant reveal, but slight spoiler, she's not who these elitists thought that she was. Mm. When they picked these 12 people that they want to hunt, they picked them with very specific reasons. Mm-hmm. They just messed up with her character. And I wish I would have known that earlier on. And I wish they would have played with that more earlier on. The idea of here's these two extremist groups. They're in conflict. I'm just average person and I'm being dragged into and identified as an extremist even though I'm not. But the, that would have been satire. The, that would have been very interesting. But the whole thing is the like the like more the right mm-hmm. they're not extremists though. They're just people who disagreed on a forum online. They weren't like extremists. I agree with that. And and that was another area where if they had taken more and made them Alex Jones type characters yeah then that would have made more sense what they were doing. They were trying to do that without making them the Alex Jones of the world. They're like, oh, these are the people who make Alex Jones what he is. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind of support people. Um, because like even like Ike Barinholtz, his character who gets killed off early, he um, he's not, he's just, he's from like New York. He's not he's like a redneck. New York, but there's a shot later on where when she first, um, when she gets to, it's either... It might be the mansion mm-hmm. uh, or the not mansion, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> she gets to the mansion and everybody's picture is on there. And it's all photographs of them in different, like one's marching at Charlottesville, one's even the New York character. There was there was something about him because I remember scanning those and like, oh, they I guess they do have some sort of extreme background here or or something that suggests they're they're more than just commenters in a forum. I don't know. I but I also don't think that that was incredibly clear because right. again, it was one shot of a bunch of pictures on a wall, and I had to look through the pictures. Yeah. To to pick up on that. Right. In any way, I didn't give it that much attention. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> but but if early on it's here's your normal person, here's your two groups that are at war with each other, uh, I- ideologically, and this person has just gotten dragged in by accident. That would have been richer material for satire because that, I think, would have been a a clearer reflection of what happens now. What happens now is you have these two very small minorities, Mm -hmm. one on each side, and they're so loud and they're such an angry mob that everybody in the middle suddenly is forced into being identified as being towards one or towards the other. Right. And most people are not. That's what I thought a lot of them were more than like – you're saying they were extremists. Like, I feel like maybe like Ike Barinholtz and like maybe, maybe I don't know. I, don't, I Maybe some of them were extremists, but I don't know if all of them were. It's weird because it definitely paints the leftists as extremists because they're they're hunting people and right. they hate people for disagreeing with them. That's a much clearer picture of extremism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the other one comes uh, just in little chunks. You get it a, a little more with the character played by Ethan Supley. Mm. He's he's the one that you really feel like, oh, okay, there's that rhetoric. Here's right, somebody right. who really buys yeah. into and preaches this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I think they were trying to suggest all those characters were that, but I I don't think they did a good job of that. No, well, especially at the, I mean, you've already kind of hinted at it yeah. where, yeah, they just kind of commented on a forum. I, th- That's what they've made seem like that was the main, like, yeah. crux of why they did that. Yeah. Like, they, they were hunting these people, they picked them. Yeah. Uh, I And just beyond that, I didn't find... Uh, the action particularly exciting no. or funny. I didn't find the humor very biting. Uh, I didn't laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I, it, there just there wasn't a lot to this movie. I, the only part of the action that me. that I um, kind of enjoyed was the last scene in the so-called mansion. The fight. Yeah, I thought yeah. that fight was pretty good. That fight was good. the The bunker shootout was, you know, sort of fun. Uh, I didn't mind that, but. Um, I, I don't know. I like some of the things they were doing with the gas station yeah, and the characters in there. Uh, but then they really kind of go off on a tangent of, oh, and we're in Serbia or wherever we were. I wish um, it took longer to get to that. Yeah. I feel I like too. I wish that that was the middle point of the film. Yeah. And it was more them discovering that they're, oh, we're not in America. Yeah. I think that would have been more interesting. Like. The gas station was just kind of the tip of the spear on that, and then it just keeps getting weirder. Um, I think that would have been way more fun. Um, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the trailers or anything, especially when this was first coming out. But was Hilary Swank's character, like, because in the movie they were really building up to who, like, as a kind of surprise. Super strange choice. It's like in the like opening credits yep. and like it, it was advertised she was in it so it's just like why are we like trying to be all secretive about she was this? on the poster she was on the the preview image she was in the trailer she she was everywhere yeah like, there was no shock to and it's hillary swank right and even if so she's not an actress in that role that would demand some sort of like oh it, right it, it was it was a very strange yeah. choice so i wasn't sure if it was like she was kind of kept hidden before all the stuff happened with the film, and then they were kind of using her as draw, even though she's not really one of those act- actors yeah. that's – she's I, not like Tom Cruise who, yeah. like, shows up and you're like, oh, I didn't know he was in this. And those are the moments where I feel like that's where they're really engaging in satire, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah. I, and I, I even saw – I even sat there and thought about it, like, there has to be a reason for that. There has to be, and I kept trying to think through, you know, a writer's brain or different things. Like, why would I make that choice to make to her mask her face for that long and then yeah. reveal her like that? It just—I wasn't sure if you meant the like whole scene where she's revealed, like they're talking about her texting, and because that's all about that FBI agents who were texting and they were, yeah, anti-Trump, yeah. and because that's what that whole thing was satire yeah but it i didn't realize really understand why the secret secrecy around her but and again satire is not just remaking something that's happened right it's that's not my taking yeah. an event and then making a version of it and saying it's satire right no 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 that's no, no. not yeah that's inspiration right uh, yeah, but that's that's adaptation yeah. that's not satire satire no. is you've adapted it's it just you've been inspired by it you've referenced it now you're going to mm-hmm. do something interesting with it that fundamentally comments on the meaning of it or the purpose of it or yeah. the importance of it and this was not that. Yeah, I felt like that the whole way through. It was yeah. things like that. It was like, oh, well, that yeah, that happened in the real world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, The Hunt, 
I'm assuming you are not about to recommend. <laughs> I mean, I would I would watch it if it wasn't twenty dollars. Yeah. Like if it once it pops up on like like HBO or something because they usually get a movie like that. Yeah. Get throw it on, yeah. but I wouldn't have. Yeah, a, yeah. a two a.m. Thursday night. I got nothing better to watch. <laughs> kind of movie. Sure. Uh, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't offensive. It wasn't bad. It wasn't. No. All that it had been built up to with its delay, uh, with controversy and people freaking out as to what it was going to be, it was, it was kind of a, a harmless genre flick. It would have totally just been forgotten if yeah. it just came out normally and yeah. like it wasn't tragically kind of coming out around the shootings and everything. Um, yeah, it would have just been passed by like a gust of wind. All right. Well, our next movie was uh, a little flick called Vivarium. And uh, it's about uh, this couple, and they're hoping to find the perfect place to live. And it's played by uh, Jesse Eisenberg and... Imogene Poots. Yes. And they're hoping to find a new house, a place to live. And so they uh, go with this very strange real estate agent to a suburban neighborhood in which all the houses look exactly alike. Uh, Just these weird green uh, kind of cookie cutter houses. Um, but when they try to leave this development, they can't get out. And they keep looping back to house number nine. And eventually, they're just kind of trapped there. After they're trapped there for a little bit of time, a box is left out front. They open it. There's a baby inside and a message that says, uh, if you want to leave, raise this child. Mm-hmm. Clint, what would you think of Vivarium? Well, Ken, um, there was a lot of uh, things I liked about this film. A lot of elements that were totally up my alley. Um, I like the production design of everything. I, I mean, I always really like Jesse Eisenberg and Imogene Poots. They're yeah. always great. And um, she was just in something else we watched. Was it Aniaria? No. No. Okay. I'm thinking of something else then she was in. Yeah, I can't really think off the top of my head. Anyway, go on. And so I, I, I was actually really excited to see this when I checked out the trailer a few months ago. Um, I was excited for it. it. Looked fun. It's a really good trailer. A really good trailer. It looked really fun and weird, and just all the things that check the boxes that make me want to watch a film. But I and I did like the production. I, I think it started off pretty strong, but it pretty much left me cold by the end. Hmm. I was just not into it. I was bored. Really? Yeah. Do you know what left you cold specifically? The whole middle of this film was just boring to me. Okay, Jesse Eisenberg digging yeah. and her kind of raising the kid. Yeah, and I understood what they were going for. It was kind of mirroring reality of how the the kind of the gender roles yeah. and um, where you kind of fall into place and you just it just kind of happens and it's hard to break out of that cycle. But I feel like this the whole movie is so surreal and weird that they just fell into that so quickly that it's just like, would you really – like? You're trapped in this suburban nightmare, like hellscape, and you're just okay. We're just going to fall into a place of okay. Now I write you, you raise the kid, and I'm going to basically go to work every day. And it just, I just, I was excited for maybe something weirder. And it does get weird, but I was exciting for the potential of it getting really weird and yeah. twisty. And it just, in the middle of the film, it just stops cold. And see, I really liked it. Uh, I think I was more fascinated in that middle section because it was uh, something 
that um, that I've I've read about in articles and and I found really interesting is that uh, culture right now, particularly Western culture, is moving very quickly away from kind of the traditional gender roles, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been happening for some time. But a lot of this, uh, a lot of a lot of the the psychology behind it is that that works up until the point that uh, people are put under extreme duress. And then no matter how much they've tried to reason through and escape gender roles, they fall back into that thing that society has taught them for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so at that point, at first I was disappointed because it was just like, that's it. Jesse Eisenberg's going to dig a hole Mm -hmm. the whole movie. And there were different times where I was just like, I wish they were doing something more with this character. At the same time, uh, for me, that was actual satire, unlike The Hunt. Right, this, right. The, and, and you already said that, but it's it was one of those things that just for some reason it really registered in my brain. Um, but I and, think that's more of a fun idea than actually watching it for an hour. Maybe. That kid creeped me out. Man, that kid creeped me out. Yeah. I. It was something about the pairing of the voice, mm-hmm. which I cannot – Imagine is actually that little boy's voice, no. or in any way him doing that practically. <laughs> no, but the uh, that kind of disparity between his age and and his appearance and that awful voice mm-hmm. really just made my skin crawl. Yeah, and that that kept me on a surprising amount of edge through that middle section. I I got you so used to it, it, it wore off for okay. me. So it was creepy at first, and then it was just like, that's okay. Oh, man, that kid was a walking, talking doll for me. <laughs> it was so yeah. weird. I don't have your doll hang up, so I, I guess. Know, but uh, <laughs> if a doll ever strolled into my room or your room, I guarantee you that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like in my nightmares. Hmm. It it did terrible, terrible things <laughs> to me. Uh, so, so the middle sag for you, what did you think of, of kind of that end? Because... I think you've kind of already said that, but but one of the things for me is I really loved when it starts to get more surreal and yeah. it starts to uh, kind of pull back the curtain and reveal what's going on and why they're trapped and, and what's happening here, mm-hmm. which is hinted at. You kind of know where it's going. Um, but at the same time, I loved when they started to actually go there yeah. and play with that. But then I felt like it was very short-lived. Right. And I think I would have been totally fine with that middle section if it was shorter. And it was kind of a thing where they're he's digging a hole for a certain amount of time, but and they're kind of stuck in back in these gender roles. But I think that would have been stronger satire if they broke out of it. Because they never break out of it until he dies. That's true. Or if they acknowledged it and yeah. they suddenly became aware of it. Because I'm totally aware of it. Like, oh, this is what they're doing. And so if it would be more fun if they realized that this is what's happening to them and then they try to break that cycle and they're and it maybe goes crazier from them mm-hmm. there. They they can't they're just they have to do it that way to raise this kid or like they the whole system revolts against them in some way. But just to completely do it all the way. I understood it and I think in theory it was an interesting idea, but for me to watch it for an hour, it was just monotonous. Can we can we talk a little bit of spoilers? Yeah. Okay, let's do a little bit of a spoiler section. There's not a ton of spoilers here I want to go into, but the big thing is it, it becomes pretty clear early on this is some sort of uh, extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional 
uh, beings right. that yeah. that has put them basically in you know a, a maze mm-hmm. of sorts, just like you know taking rats and putting them in a maze. I I really enjoy any time a movie uh, puts effort into creating something that visually doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. that's hard to do. You, yeah. you can only do so much when you're dealing with tools of what we can see and understand. Mm-hmm. And so to find ways to make things weird or feel very alien, mm-hmm. I I always really enjoy. And I, I felt like they touched on that. I thought they really started to, when he pulls up the curb yeah. and scampers under it, Right. I was just I loved all that fully stuff. in. Yeah. And I wanted more of that. Yeah. When she just started going through kind of dimensional rooms mm-hmm. that was okay but there was never a moment again like when he pulled up that curve right. down on all fours yeah. crawling away that was really unsettling and mm-hmm. made me feel this is not human and this right. is doing things completely beyond physics mm-hmm. and, and reality right. and that really creeped me out yeah I liked all that stuff I liked the design of like it was kind of almost cartoony the world mm-hmm. the houses and the clouds the, the clouds and I like that surreal um kind of uh Terry Gilliam like his more recent movies where they're it's very CG and purposely done um I liked all that stuff and it just um I think that's what made it harder for me in that middle section. And that's not to say I did like the movie. And I think if I maybe watched it again, maybe I wouldn't have as hard of a time with that middle section. It was just, I, I just kind of got bored. Okay. Yeah. I, one of the other things that, that I took note of is that uh, for the most part, uh, even though I'm working a lot, I'm trapped at home. Uh, and you're trapped at home mm-hmm. too. And so watching a movie where two characters were trapped yeah. at home felt a little too on the yeah, nose for me right for sure. now. And that, obviously that has nothing to do with when they made the movie or, mm-hmm. or what they were. It, they're not even trying to comment on no, the current no. situation. But I was hyper aware of the fact that like, oh, I want to get out of my house the yeah. whole time I watched that movie. I think also it's because it made that middle section a lot harder for me too because it starts off kind of with – a level of fun and whimsy to it. Like there's a whimsical nature to it with the performances from like Jesse Eisenberg and Imogene Poots. So, and that just, and I understand why it does this in the middle. It kind of, that gets all sucked out of it. And I don't know. I just kind of wanted a little bit more of that. Their despair was a little common, for lack of a better word. It, it, I didn't get the sense that, that, Another pair of young actors couldn't have delivered those same performances right. in that middle stretch. Yeah. I thought they shined at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I like the idea of him digging the hole. I wish it maybe that wasn't the extent of what he was doing for exploring mm-hmm. the world. Like maybe he did that and reached the point where he found the body, and then he moved. Like he does that happens rather quickly. And then he moves on to like tearing the house apart or yeah. I don't know, going through the other houses and seeing what if there's anybody there or is any sign of anybody. Like you have this whole world that you've introduced to explore and you <laughs> decided dig one hole dig in one, hole. one spot. Yeah. And, like yeah. it would have been fun, like <laughs> the movie Hole style, where yeah. he's like just jumping around in the whole area around the house. the last blood. He's got tunnels. <laughs> no reason for tunnels. He's just got tunnels. Just sharpening pitchforks. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, but <laughs> overall, I mean, I I did like it. I yeah. just was expe- hoping for more. I think. Yeah, yeah. I this if if you condense this to two thirds of a movie and then really beefed up a new third act, right? Then yeah. then I think it would have really grabbed me. Yeah. Uh, I I liked it a, a good deal more than you, but I I agree. I just I got to the end and I was just like, ah, they oh they could have yeah. really yeah could have really gone a couple of steps further. And I did do this a double feature with the hunt, mm. so maybe if I had like just waited the next day, a little uh, less tired, maybe I would have yeah. been able to get some more joy out of it. Well, and if you ever end up watching it again, I'd be curious your thoughts because I'm I'm wondering if it. Is it one of those expectation things where there was an expectation that was going to go bigger? Mm-hmm. And so when it didn't, it feels deflating. Whereas if you go back through it, you're like, maybe oh, yeah, it was more there. Right. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I'll probably watch it again. I was so looking forward to the end, like towards the end, that I wasn't completely immersed in whatever was happening at the beginning. I was constantly thinking, where's this going? Right. Instead right, of right. looking at where's it, where is it at? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. We're well, checking out for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. and way cheaper than the hunt. Yeah, um, it was six bucks, seven bucks to rent on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Might not even have been that. I think it was seven bucks. Uh, so our, it's right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Seven bucks. Seven bucks. <laughs> our our last movie is called The Dead Center, and this was a Cinetron role, and I had never heard of this movie, and it's from uh, Billy Sinise. Uh, and he wrote and directed this. And it's about a psychiatrist's sanity that's pushed the edge when a patient with amnesia insists he has died and has come back from the other side with something terrible. Uh, Clint, what did you think of The Dead Center? I think it was pretty good um, for what it was. It was very independently made. Very. It had that kind of feel to mm-hmm. it. Um, I was already kind of in... From the beginning, because of Shane Carruth, mm-hmm. who did Upstream Color and Primer, and mm-hmm. um, who's amazing. He looks, he looks like a a. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word there. A more handsome David Tennant. <laughs> he really, yeah, he does have a David. I, I just Tennant-y. constantly like David Tennant is your thinner, uh, older brother. Yeah. <laughs> who Shane? He shows up in, uh, in um, Tales from the Loop for a second. Oh, so really? That was fun. I was That's like, cool. Oh. Um, but, uh, it, it was pretty good. I think it, to me, the whole time I just had this feeling it, this feels like just an episode of the X-Files or something Yeah. where it's, it's just one of those stories where like, this may have been a really good episode of, uh, some like science fiction television show, but I, it just felt like it was really hard to sustain for an hour and a half. Yeah, it, it didn't go big enough. No. And it's not that it had the budget to do that. No. Um, I liked what it was playing with. Yeah. I liked, without talking about what it was, I like the, the supernatural direction it goes. It was mm-hmm. an interesting uh, supernatural entity. It was an yeah. interesting idea there. I liked what they were pursuing. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a sucker for... When you get that, it's it's pure exposition, but it's it's those moments where you get kind of the history of oh this thing has existed, been yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah. and here's what it's done before. I, yeah, I'm an absolute sucker yeah. for that kind of stuff. And I think this was a better version of that idea. Yeah. Like I've seen that done so many times, and this one was like, oh, that kind of like, not that it could happen, but it makes sense in the reality of this world. 
And I think Shane Carruth was good in it. He was really good. It's cool to see him just act. Yeah. Like, I mean, he does in his films, but just like to have the responsibility of just acting and not worry about <laughs> having to produce, write, direct, do the music and edit. And um, I'm sure that was probably fun for him. I think the flip side is it's not as finely tuned. Right. As Upstream Color. It's yeah. not as well written as Primer. Yeah. It's, it, um, there were a lot of times where I felt characters making decisions mm. that didn't track for me or didn't make sense yeah. or, or felt too impulsive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Especially, kind of hanging by a thread. Yeah, side characters who then yeah. interact with the uh, kind of supernatural element of the film. Yeah. Um, it just like kind of feels like they were fodder yeah. a little bit. Uh, well, and, and even the detective character... Uh, that's that's kind of a side story, and he's yeah. tracking what's happening and piecing it together. By the end, I was just like, he didn't matter at all. Right, he, he was did just nothing. He for was the exposition, plot. basically. He, yeah, he was he was just a way of conveying information outside mm -hmm. the hospital. And if he had an arc, and he had kind of come together and, and intersected with yeah. the arc of the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. That might have been interesting. I, I could definitely see a version of this movie that is much higher budget, uh, more sharply written, and it's got like your Jake Gyllenhaal and and somebody else uh, really sinking their teeth into each role mm. and you know headed towards each other, and then they've got a kind of like prisoner style. Yes, yeah, yeah, like Hugh Jackman and, and Jake Gyllenhaal trying to okay, we're from two different worlds. We've both in our own ways come to realize what this thing is. We're the only two who, who know about it. What are we going to do about it? Right. Uh, and that sounds a little too, you know, chunky genre. But yeah, I mean, I like the idea of it being this independent film. I, yeah. I, I totally yeah, I agree too. that I was expect wanting more out of the detective yeah. story because it did feel like where he's just like propelling the like information forward. So we know kind of the history of this thing. But um, I did kind of I I do really like movies at this level yeah. where it's above somebody making it in their backyard, but it, it's a sufficient film and it's and it, the uh, I I I always enjoy like Primer and Upstream Color are the same level of money and um, resources, but those are heightened. Beyond yeah. this, and, and at, at yeah. no point did I think, oh, "This is a bad film." No, no. Oh, why am I watching yeah. this? This is not worth my time, or, sure. or anything like no. that. It was, it was worth watching. Yeah. It did some really cool stuff, mm -hmm. and even the stuff where I wished that it went bigger, it that's much easier to take when it's a small indie yeah. flick that's being put together at that level. Yeah, it's easier to just kind of turn off that. Oh, I want it to be bigger. It's not going to be bigger. No, and so it's it's interesting watching what they do with what little they have because yeah. despite what they have they go much bigger than what their budget is right. they go much bigger than well I, all the things that i would want bigger are not like special effects things because i feel yeah. like they did fill the gaps in with like that kind of thing really well i think it was just more kind of story stuff where yeah. like like with the detective and um, maybe the backstory of Shane Carew's character a little bit more. So you're a little like his home life. Yeah. And so you knew a little bit more about him. And mm -hmm. so you maybe just cared a little bit more. Not that I didn't care, but it was just like, oh, it'd be fun to know a little bit more about him. And they hint at it. But like it wasn't anything where like, oh, man, I really wish that they threw another $100,000 at this and there was car chases or 
um, yeah. more special effects for the supernatural element. Like I, that stuff, they feel they really. I think they did a fine job with. Yeah. Um, I I totally recommend watching it, especially it's like ninety nine cents on oh, Amazon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and but I mean, it has really good like reviews on like uh, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and things. So yeah. Well, and again. Just taking into account what it is, mm-hmm. I I think puts it at a different level than if this was a seventy million dollar movie, right? With a Jake Gyllenhaal and a Hugh Jackman, but with this script, mm-hmm. uh, it it would feel very lacking. Yeah, for sure. And so that's that's interesting yeah. to me. Okay, so the hunt, uh, you know, Thursday night at two a.m. when it's not twenty bucks, sure. Vivarium, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of cool ideas. Uh, definitely check it out, but. Uh, kind of temper those expectations, and the dead or ignore center. us. Or ignore you us. Might, you might really enjoy You'll it. You'll love it. I and, hope so. And then the Dead Center, uh, which is a nice little indie flick that that uh, that's got some ambition. Mm-hmm. It's got some things going for it. All right. So this week, uh, Clint and I thought we would have a little bit of fun. We are tired of uh, COVID nineteen lockdown, and so we thought to ourselves. If there was a way that we had to be stuck in our houses with some movie characters, <laughs> which movie characters would we want to quarantine with? Uh, and so do you want to you want to kind of go back and forth? Sure. All right. Let's hear your first one. Who would you want to quarantine with? So my first choice, um, I don't know why this came to mind. Um, this is all random, really. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun to be locked down with Frank from the movie Frank with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Is this because the where he has the giant yeah. head? <laughs> because he can play music, entertain us, mm-hmm. and with uh, being in the head, he's already self quarantined, <laughs> so you don't have to really worry about him. Just built in face yeah. mask, and yeah, I think that'd be a good time. All right, <laughs> uh, my first one is kind of throwaway. Okay, it would only be beneficial and worthwhile for five seconds, literally five <laughs> seconds. And it's Hudson from Aliens. Okay. Just so he could run around my house saying, game over, man, game over. And it would get old fast. Don't get me wrong. I would I would kick him out into the, the virus-stricken world. Yeah. He would not stay in my house for a long time. <laughs> but just young Bill Paxton screaming, game over, man, game over, in the middle of a quarantine. I think there's an app for that, probably. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's a lot easier <laughs> than teleporting through reality, some yeah. movie character. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I just Bill I need it. Back. I, I really need that sometimes. I just, like, if I'm sitting downstairs watching a movie and I'm feeling kind of sad, mm-hmm. I just need the door to kick open. Like, game over, man. <laughs> game over. Like, Thanks, Bill Paxton. You can go now. <laughs> the late Bill Paxton. Oof. Okay. So who's your You brought one? him up. I'm sorry. So my other, I had um, was thinking about this film that we recently reviewed, and um, I think it would be beneficial to have Olga Kurilenko's character, Kate from The Room, mm. uh, but only if we're allowed to be in the house with The Room, so then we can make all the supplies that we ever needed. Oh, perfect. Yeah, got to stay in anyway. Yeah, so we might as well stay in that the house. Room. Don't need to take anything outside. Just make all the toilet paper we need. <laughs> So <laughs> no more toilet paper shortage. No, I love it. Yeah, uh, my second one is McCready from The Thing, uh, uh-huh. and just pure. If the world falls apart, and I had to have a movie character in my house ready to help me navigate whatever unpredictable things around the corner. Uh-huh. Uh, Kurt Russell from The Thing. <laughs> yes, please. In a second, hundred uh, percent. That's that's the guy that I want to fight a virus with. 
You don't think he's going to just constantly be trying to take your blood and test it in a Petri dish? As long as it's not an alien virus, I think we're fine. But maybe. I don't know. That's not I too think scary. he'd still resort to some scary. tactics you're not excited about. Maybe. I mean, if I ever walked downstairs and he was building a flamethrower, it'd be time for him <laughs> to go join Hudson and like, you know, Game Over Man. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't know. Your All son right. might be into that, though. <laughs> it's true. Who's your third one? Um, so this would be just for pure joy. And I think, like... I would get a lot of, I don't know, comfort out of this character being around. Um, so the dude from The Big Lebowski, oh, okay. I think he would just give some like cool vibes and he'd just like sit there and like drink his white Russian. He definitely and, would not mind being stuck yeah. at home. But I had one stipulation with that. Well, okay. Walter cannot come and visit. So oh, yeah. I think yeah. that would add another stress level. Yeah, that level of intensity would not do well in a quarantine. Yeah. I'm not all for that. No. Uh, my third would also bring joy to my quarantine, and it's M. Gustavo from Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> sheer sheer positivity and class. Uh-huh. Uh, he would not only keep this house running like nobody's business, he would make me feel like nothing else in the world mattered more. And uh, he would just be this this force of of joy that just <laughs> had breakfast ready when I woke up and, you know, bed sheets were turned. He'd have to have his whole staff. Don't get me wrong. Oh, okay. Um, so you just want like a servant of some sort. I don't want a servant. <laughs> I want him to run my house like it's his hotel. And okay. I just, I want all that pride and joy that went into the Grand Budapest. I want him to sink that into my house. I'm going to pay him. He's not a servant. Okay. He's going to run this place like nobody's business <laughs> during this quarantine. The hotel's shut down, so he needs a job. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. So okay. number four. Um, so this one I am excited about. So I think it would be really fun to have Tom Hiddleston's character Adam from Only Lovers Left Alive around. The vampire? Yep. Because <laughs> Why would you want to be stuck in a house with there, a vampire? I got a list of reasons here, man. <laughs> so... <laughs> He's used to staying inside. Okay. Because, I mean, he's pretty much self-quarantined already because right. he's depressed. We can play music because he, he's a musician in the movie. Mm-hmm. He, he has, like, a very high skill of ingenuity. I mean, he's making, like, these subatomic engines for his car and to heat his house and everything. So I think that would be useful. Um, but like you've already said, the downside is he's a vampire. Yeah. You have the fridge, and in the grocery store, when you run out of things, you're his fridge. But he, I mean, he already, he seems like he has a system in place. They kind of re- never resort to eating anyone. I guess. Except for the end when they, it was a necessity. <laughs> but overall, I think he'd have his, like, fridge full of O positive and he'd think okay. he'd be set. Okay. He, he seems like a guy who'd plan ahead. Right. And he wouldn't get the disease, really. So, That's true. Um, sure. Yeah, I think All it'd right. be great. My fourth character is possibly the most practical choice I have ever made in one of these segments. Yeah. And it struck me like lightning. <laughs> and I was just like, this is brilliant. It's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. And it is Anthony Hopkins' character from The Edge, Charles Morse. <laughs> just because self-made billionaire, check. Mm-hmm. Hyper survivalist, check. Quick problem solver, check. Really nice guy, check. Willing to save anyone, including his mortal enemies, check. <laughs> Able to fight bears, check. If you have not seen The Edge, have you watched The Edge recently, Clint? If I tell you no, are you going to try to make me watch it? Yes. I've never seen The Edge. What? <laughs> I'm not going to watch The Edge. Why? I don't know. I've just never seen The Edge. The Edge is great. The Edge is like modern day Revenant, but with the, the, you've got to watch The Edge. 
It holds up. I swear it holds up. Okay. It's about Alec Baldwin. I know there's a bear. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Alec Baldwin's there. I don't like Alec Baldwin, so hopefully... You don't like Alec Baldwin, like young Alec Baldwin, like Hunt for Red October Alec Baldwin? I don't know. I just don't care for him. Okay. Well, well, Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin and what's-his-face from Lost crash in a plane in the middle of the wilderness, and they got to get out of that wilderness, Mm -hmm. and it's great. Who's from Lost? Uh, The guy that plays Michael. Oh, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Unless it's a completely different actor, and I'm about to be accused of racism because it's black. Oh, wow. I don't know. (laughs) I'm stepping back from this. I'm 100% positive it's the same actor. Okay. (laughs) Take your word for it. Never seen it. Uh, You need to watch The Edge. The Edge is great. I I hold to The Edge as one of the best 90s movies. I think it was 90s, maybe early 2000s, but I think it was the 90s. Uh, It's great. It holds up. There are two shots in the entire movie that do not hold up (laughs) and that are very early compositing when when the plane... That they're flying in kind of flies through some birds. Yeah. Engines get all clogged and it goes down. That is a nightmare of compositing <laughs> and poor blue screen before green screen. Very oh. blue screen. Hmm. Uh, and then there's a shot later on. But other than that, that movie is good stuff. Okay. It's good stuff. I have time to kill. All right. Charles Morse, man. I can at least maybe preview to be racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not racist, but I am going to check on that as soon as this episode is over and start next week's episode with an apology. Ken's correction corner. Yeah. So, guys, (laughs) real sorry. Real sorry. Anyway. Yeah. um, Yeah, that's it. So so mine are uh, Hudson from Aliens, M. Gustavo from Grand Budapest, McCready from The Thing, and Charles Morse from The Edge. And yours are? Frank, Kate, The Dude, and Adam. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. We should just have a commune with all these people in one place. Yeah. Have a good time. It might be tricky to get them together. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little. Yeah. All right. You ready to spin Cenotron? Yeah. Let's all do right. it. All right. Let's get this thing going. Okay, let me brace. All right, I'm good. I'm blaming you for this full-heartedly. You're blaming me? Yes. Okay. Velocipaster. (gasps) Yes! Are you serious? I'm totally serious. I have been waiting for, uh, since the inception of Cinetron 3000, I have been desperately waiting for Velocipaster. This was your one addition to Cinetron? It's going to be terrible. Have you watched the trailer for this thing? You made me. I'm so excited. I know I'm you so are. Excited. I can see it. Velocity Pastor is about this uh, missionary or pastor who, like the Hulk, when things go poorly, he hawks out, but he hawks out into a Velociraptor. Mm-hmm. He's a pastor and a Velociraptor. He's the Velocipaster. I have a bet I'd like to make with you that the name came first. <laughs> 
I think the name totally came first. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's that. That is definitely the product of two twenty-something uh, men, young filmmakers, giggling in their basement <laughs> when they. We came gotta out do with this, this man. Oh, can you imagine? It's, it's like the pastor, and he's like the hawk, but instead of hawking out, he turns into a velociraptor. He's like he's like the velocipastor. It's the best <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait for this. I'm so excited. I it's going to be terrible. I'm going to regret this immensely. I blame you. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> it looks like the room, uh, not the good room, but like the Tommy Wiseau room. Yeah. Wiseau. Looks like that room, but with... Uh, more Jesus and more dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Now now I'm excited. <gasps> and it's Easter week, Clint. We sent well, see, a couple days late. A couple days late. It's, it's Easter week. Sinatron spun up Velocipastor on Easter week. See, it's just, it's just he's getting in the holiday spirit. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's going to be torture. Oh, it's it's going to be, be like a song on the cross. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life, Clint. Is that a Life of Brian reference? (laughs) Be Brian with me. Okay. It's okay. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 23. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, As always, check in at our website, www.cinebabblecast.com. And you can message us or find us on Twitter, Instagram, just about anywhere. Uh, Shoot us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. Have a good one. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands.